listening to Beyond the Game. I love you guys. love the program. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. I love everything about it. The, the, the beards, the handshakes. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome into the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson. With me is Zach Barletta, and we're glad that you're here listening as well. Something different than you'll hear on most other programs. It's sports talk from a faith-based point of view. BTGprogram.com or at BTGprogram is where to find out more about the program. And my guess would be that, like most people, you've had a situation where a topic came up on your web browser or in your social media feed that you're fairly certain you only thought about. Maybe you spoke about it, but you know darn well that you never actually searched it out on the internet. So is Alexa listening in? Is your cell phone listening in? I suppose it all depends on how deep you want to go into the conspiracy theories. It's weird, but there has to be some explanation, right? Absolutely. This just happened to me this week, actually. On this program a few weeks ago, I think it may have been after the first preseason game in our shenanigans statement, Zach, you brought up the health of Andrew Luck as a possible concern for the Indianapolis Colts this season. You alluded to the history that the Colts had of sort of dismissing his injuries as minor, only to keep adding more and more severity to their assessment as he continued to miss action. Eventually, he was out for the whole year. And just a few weeks ago, you brought it up again, just sort of wondering maybe what's going on here. And then the news this past weekend that indeed Andrew Luck was stepping down. So now, Zach, you freak me out as much as my cell phone does. (laughs) The news of Luck's retirement has been the biggest story in sports because apart from maybe you knowing and Adam Schefter knowing, this seemed to come out of nowhere. Though, again, acknowledging conspiracy theorists, it seemed like maybe the Colts knew this was a possibility for at least a few weeks. Head coach Frank Reich had made a a comment a few weeks ago that now looking back, uh, after what we learned last weekend, that comment seems a little strange. He had said that they needed to know by week three who was going to be their starting quarterback. But if Luck's injury was minor, as they had been saying all along, why would there be any question? Exactly. After all, they kept saying he'd be back soon and gave no real reason to think that Andrew Luck would not be under center on opening day. In sports, where we're sort of in this strange place where it seems we get news before it even becomes official. You and I have talked about this, Zach, on a number of occasions. We know of trades, and not just you and I, I mean, fans in general, we know about trades long before teams make any kind of official announcement. Now, I'm not sure I like it very much because there are times when this rush to be the first to report something results in information getting out there before it's really ready to be out there. And it ends up putting people in an awkward situation. Like last weekend, when that information then gets out there and it causes problems for people, well, I don't like it and I don't think it's very fair. We've heard of players finding out about being traded through social media Now, good for Adam Schefter, breaking a story. But because news of Luck's retirement got out before the Colts game, fans knew of Luck's decision and booed him as he exited off the field. That that, that was unfair to Andrew Luck. He didn't deserve that. Why couldn't the news be sat on, even if you knew it? 
why couldn't the news be sad until till Luck had a chance to announce it himself, or at least well after the game, so he didn't have to face the reporters until he was ready. He could be on his way home. He could. They had a press conference for the schedule for the next day already. Let the rumors be the rumors. But, man, when it got out as, as the way it did, he just ended up getting the brunt of, of really some poor abuse. Absolutely. But also, I would just like to point out, those fans booing him is absolutely ridiculous. And they should be embarrassed. It's not his fault that he's been injured so much. I mean, if you want to place the blame anywhere, place the blame on the previous general manager who never protected him with any semblance of an offensive line. Those fans really should be ashamed. Yeah. When's a, how many times did the Colts draft an offensive lineman? It, maybe at two or three times in the top four or five rounds of a draft. It didn't happen a lot. Yeah, no, their career. offensive line under the previous administration was a running joke. And I've heard reporters and people defending the actions of those unappreciative fans saying that they were, well, they're actually booing the situation more than they were booing Luck himself. But that argument is so weak. I mean, it's ridiculous. Now, I will say that, of course, it's a small portion of the fan base who booed him. And there's probably a percentage of that, of those people, who likely regret having booed him looking back on it. It was unfortunate. It was a really bad look for the Colts fan base. I'll tell you, when I saw the highlights and I heard the boos of fans as luck walked off, I thought of Jesus and how differently he would have responded. I thought of the account in Matthew chapter 20 when they're they're leaving Jericho, and the Bible says that a large crowd followed him. And they pass by these two blind men sitting alongside the road, and the men cry out to Jesus, asking him to have mercy on them. And the crowd responded similarly to the to, as the people did in Indianapolis. Matthew chapter 20, verse 31 says, The crowd sternly told them to be quiet, but they cried out all the more, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. In the next verse, it says that Jesus asked the blind men, What do you want me to do for you? And they answered, Lord, we want our eyes to be opened. And then the key verse, I think, is Matthew chapter 20, verse 34, which says, Moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes, and immediately they gained their sight and followed him. When Jesus saw the blind men and saw the discomfort and saw the suffering, he had compassion on them, the Word of God says. But not only that, motivated by that compassion, well, he took action, and he healed them. There's a reason those child sponsorship and pet adoption commercials show such sad, pathetic-looking photos. They want you to be moved by compassion, so moved that you'll take action. Do you? Are you willing to lend a hand to people who need it? Or are you perhaps very cynical, always assuming that people are just taking advantage? In another passage, Jesus saw people who desperately wanted to hear his teaching, so much so that they hadn't even given any thought to their own sustenance. They're hungry, but they were more interested in hearing from Christ. Matthew chapter 14, verse 14 says, When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and felt compassion on them and healed their sick. Jesus then turned it into a teaching moment. And when the disciples had suggested, hey, it's late, maybe the Lord should turn the people away, Jesus told them to feed them. Feed them? With what? All they had was five loaves of bread and two fish. But it was more than enough. 
even though both Jesus and the disciples were aware of the needs of the people, only Jesus had enough compassion to, uh, on them to act. It was another faith crisis, really, on behalf of the disciples. Jesus knew full well that the power of God was sufficient enough to meet the needs of each and every one that was there and went about feeding the multitude. If we're too busy or we're too self-absorbed in our own situation, we're not going to be aware of those God has placed around us. We'll not be aware, we'll not see the needs of others, and we'll miss an opportunity to help them. I actually think we need practice in being compassionate, getting in a habit of seeing ourselves in someone else's shoes. If those fans in Indianapolis had put themselves in Andrew Luck's position, well, perhaps they would have had a different reaction. But let's not just look at only at Andrew Luck. What about the people you cross paths with regularly? The bitter person, the needy person, the insecure person. Why are they that way? What can you do to help them? Certainly the fans in Indy, they wanted to be heard. They wanted to express their disappointment and their frustration. But are we really any different? We react and we respond before we even understand what's really going on sometimes. Maybe we would benefit from listening better before we speak. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32 says this, Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. But Jesus not only had compassion on the physical and material needs of the people, he was aware of their spiritual need, too. He noticed how they followed him and how they longed for his teaching, how they longed for truth. What they needed was a shepherd to guide them. Mark chapter 6, verse 34 says this, When Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd. And he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Where are you at these days? Are you in a place sort of wandering, looking for answers maybe, seeking some sort of meaning or purpose? Are you, spiritually speaking, needing a shepherd to guide you? Let me turn over to First Peter chapter 21. There's a couple of passages here, uh, verses 21 through uh, 25, and it says this. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ and asked God to forgive you, he calls to you. He desires to bring you peace as the good shepherd in your life. Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross, giving his life to pay the penalty of your sins and mine. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, 
but have everlasting life. For God sent his Son not into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. His death, as well as his resurrection, is what makes it possible for us to be forgiven of our many sins and to go to heaven. Well, that is if we accept the free gift that he offers. The free gift of eternal life in heaven is yours to accept or, if you choose, yours to decline. If you choose to reject this free gift, there's nothing that you need to do. As the saying goes, if you choose not to decide, then you still have made a choice. But unfortunately, there's only one place to spend eternity if you're not going to spend it in heaven with God, and that's in hell, suffering the penalty of your sins yourself. But if you want to be forgiven of sin and spend eternity in heaven, then admit your sin to God and ask him to forgive you. Accepting the free gift which Jesus Christ offers, allowing his death on the cross to be what clears the penalty of your sins. The Bible promises that by confessing our sins, God will forgive us. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Ah, pray to God and tell him that you know you are a sinner. You know you are guilty. Tell him that you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you, that he was buried, that he rose again. And ask God to forgive you and ask him to help you repenting from your sin. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. We're so glad to have you along. It is time for us to take a break. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. How can I forgive when I can forgive myself? How can I move on when all I have is regret? Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College. We're proud to be a serious athletic school with great opportunities for serious athletes. In fact, we have the only Division II athletic program in the area. Our many varsity programs range from basketball, tennis, and cross country to track and field, golf, volleyball, and soccer. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. The Power Up Sports Ministry Conference is October 8th in Grand Rapids, Michigan at the offices of Our Daily Bread Ministries. You'll hear from Clark Kellogg of CBS Sports, Carolina Hurricanes Chaplain Sid Graham and his wife Kristen, and from Mike Moore, Chaplain with the Houston Dynamo. It's the Power Up Sports Ministry Conference October 8th. Register at powerupsportsministry2019.eventbrite.com. Hey, hey, it's Bryce Johnson, and it is time to start thinking about the upcoming fantasy football season. And good news, Unpacking It Ministries has a resource for you that will take you from the draft all the way through the championship. Order your Fantasy Football Fellowship Playbook today, and each week, read about a fantasy concept and how it relates to the Bible and our own lives. It's designed for your league to discuss at weekly league meetings, on the phone, or in person. The FFF Playbook will add more meaning and purpose to the fantasy season and add value to your league. 
grow in your faith, build deeper relationships with other owners in the league, and make more of your fantasy season. Join us at fantasyfootballfellowship.org and find all the details and order the FFF playbook today. That's fantasyfootballfellowship.org. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program. So glad to have you here with us. We're coming to you from Rochester, New York, recording from the BTG studio. But you know that you can get the show wherever it is that you are. This week, we say hello and we say thank you to Griffin, Georgia, one of the many places to download last week's program. The home of WMVV 90.7 on the FM dial. WMVV is a Christian radio station there in Griffin that does not count this fine program among its programming lineup. Tim Beckham of the Seattle Mariners, born in Griffin. Beckham was the first overall pick in 2008 draft by the Tampa Bay Rays. Speaking of Seattle and of Griffin, Georgia, former NFL defensive end Chris Clemens was born there, won a Super Bowl with the Seahawks. His uncle Charlie Clemens, also born in Griffin, played on a number of teams, and he too won a Super Bowl, his with the St. Louis Rams. That's a game where the game ended with the Tennessee Titans' Kevin Dyson getting tackled, his outstretched hand just inches out of the end zone. Would have brought the game to a tie, pending the extra point had he made it in. Nick Clemens, brother of Chris, and of course nephew to Charlie, also born in Griffin. Nick spent some time with the Denver Broncos. A whole bunch of other notable people, born in Griffin, Georgia. NFL wide receiver Willie Galt, former NFL wide receiver Willie Galt. Country music legend Bill Anderson, as well as the legendary Old West figure Doc Holliday. A dentist Doc Holliday was. And of course, Val Kilmer does such a tremendous job portraying him in the movie Tombstone. To those of you in Griffin, Georgia, we appreciate you. Wherever you're listening from, we thank you for being with us as well. Here now is the wise and upstanding Zach Barletta to give us this week's shenanigans statements. Okay, well, all right. Number one, Dodger second baseman Max Muncy admitted that he was acting when he fell to the ground in pain after a takeout slide by Brett Gardner in a critical play in the Yankees' 2-1 to loss on Saturday. Truth or shenanigans, there should be a penalty for embellishment in baseball. Zach, I say shenanigans, though in actuality, I agree, because it's deceitful. I just don't think it's worth opening a door for yet another umpire's opinion on matters. This is true. You know, man, I don't want the umpire to determine if the guy's full of it or not. For instance, we've probably all seen guys who may or may not have been hit by a pitch, but sure make it seem as though they were. Mm -hmm. You know, is that type of embellishment worth getting involved in replay especially when it's so close is it is it not the Muncie play was really just another bad example in my opinion anyway of terrible umpiring (laughs) you know it was an unnecessary timeout that ended up negating a game tying run sure it was against my team but even so I just don't I don't think there's enough situations like this to make it worthy of trying to over legislate I'm going to say shenanigans and agree with you um Look, in theory, it seems like, oh, a rule against that would be a good idea. But then these umpires are the ones that have to enforce that rule, and they have enough trouble with much simpler things during games. So I think enforcement or lack of potential enforcement makes this a bad idea for a rule. It doesn't happen often enough to make it worth having a rule over. 
Would it change how you feel about Max Muncy if you were a fan of him? Would it make you less of a fan? No, I don't think so. I think it was deceitful either way. I wouldn't want my guys to be deceitful. No, I don't like it. Number two, Andrew Luck's surprise retirement from the NFL means the Colts are no longer a contender this season. What do you think about their chances? I'm going to say shenanigans. I, I'm, yeah, not let, I'm not willing to say they're no longer a contender. They're going to be drafting in the top of the draft, that sort of thing. I would not call them a favorite anymore. I know people that had picked them as a, their Super Bowl pick to, to win everything this year. Jacoby Brissett's going to have to be a lot better than last time he was a starter. But the team around him is a lot better than last time he was a starter. The head coaching is certainly a lot better than last time he was a starter. He's got Frank Reich to keep him uh, to learn from. In, in, in playing quarterback in the NFL. So uh, I think the Colts are good enough that I wouldn't call them a favorite. They might not win double-digit games, but I still think they're a contender. Yeah, I'm with you. Shenanigans on the statement. They're still a really good team. That's a nice roster. Yeah, their chances take a hit, but I don't think we should underestimate the ability of Jacoby Brissett. He's good. He may not be Andrew Luck, but he's pretty good guy, pretty good quarterback. He's been taking first-team snaps all preseason long, so he should be more than ready. Mm-hmm. Give the kid a chance. We'll see what he can do. Number three, the Cowboys made superstar running back Ezekiel Elliott an extension offer that would make him the second highest paid running back in football behind only Todd Gurley, but Zeke did not accept it. Truth or shenanigans, the Cowboys need to make Zeke the highest paid running back. No shenanigans. And I'm not trying to pick on Ezekiel Elliott, but this is a player who does come with a bit of baggage. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, he still needs to prove his maturity and that he's able to put the game and the team first. He's a great player, no doubt about that, but he's not yet shown me that if the Cowboys were to pay him top dollar, that he would represent their franchise worthy of being paid on that level. I'm going to say shenanigans as well for a slightly different reason, or group of reasons. First of all, they have a new offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, who by all accounts is is much more creative He's, they hope, along the lines of Sean McVay. He's 31 years old. They're going to throw the ball more. They're going to be more creative. They're not going to run the same old-style football of pounding the rock into between the tackles over and over again. Zeke is not going to be as necessary to them as he has been in the past. Plus, Tony Pollard, their current starting running back throughout the preseason, looks electric. I just don't think they need him as much as they did last year. I don't think it's a good idea anyways to invest that much money in the running back position. Agreed. So. I think the Cowboys, as much as it surprises me to say this, I think they'll be fine without him. Yeah, I do too. When we come back, you like that? Stick with us along with Zach Barletta. I'm Rick Benson. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program. whose participation in athletics is vital to their college choice? Then consider telling them about Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We field 17 varsity sports and offer the only NCAA D2 program in Greater Rochester. Our teams have won six conference titles and reached three NCAA national championship appearances. Help the athlete you know to take their game to the next level. Visit roberts.edu. Hey, hey, it's Bryce Johnson, and it is time to start thinking about the upcoming fantasy football season. And good news, Unpacking It Ministries has a resource for you that will take you from the draft all the way through the championship. Order your Fantasy Football Fellowship Playbook today, and each week, 
read about a fantasy concept and how it relates to the Bible and our own lives. It's designed for your league to discuss at weekly league meetings, on the phone, or in person. The FFF Playbook will add more meaning and purpose to the fantasy season and add value to your league. Grow in your faith, build deeper relationships with other owners in the league, and make more of your fantasy season. Join us at fantasyfootballfellowship.org and find all the details and order the FFF Playbook today. That's fantasyfootballfellowship.org. Welcome back into the final segment of this week's Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. We thank you so much for spending part of your day here with us. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22, that the heart, a joyful heart, I should say, is good medicine. And it was all in good fun when Boston Red Sox fans invaded San Diego this past weekend to see their team take two of three from the host Padres. But it'd be the Padres who had the last laugh on Red Sox fans, being, of course, a gracious host. It seemed as though the Padres were giving Red Sox fans a little taste of home by playing a Fenway Park favorite, Sweet Caroline, by Brooklyn-born Neil Diamond. As the song began to play on cue, the visiting Red Sox fans began lifting their voices, singing in excitement in anticipation of the now-famous sing-along parts. But just as it was about to happen, they got rickrolled. If you're not familiar with the internet prank, Getting rickrolled is when you're watching a video and suddenly, quite unexpectedly, the prankster has sabotaged the video you think you're going to enjoy. And in the middle, on comes Rick Astley's 1987 hit song, Never Gonna Give You Up. It sounded like this there in San Diego. That is so good. The San Diego Padres. Hilarious prank of rickrolling Boston Red Sox fans is what I like like this week. By the way, speaking of Neil Diamond, did you know that he attended NYU on a fencing scholarship? And that, not only that, he was part of an NCAA men's championship team in 1960. Bet you didn't know that about Neil Diamond. I didn't even know that there were fencing scholarships. So I've learned a lot of things already. Zach, what'd you like this week? What I liked this week was two twin boys named Jamie and Christian getting an incredible birthday gift this year. A video from Bills quarterback Josh Allen inviting them to attend any Bills game of their choosing this year, with Allen providing the tickets. Jamie and Christian live in Colorado, but their father, Nicholas Bell, was originally from near here in Williamsville, New York. He was killed, unfortunately, a month ago in a vehicle accident. Like their dad, Jamie and Christian are big Josh Allen fans and now no doubt will be for the rest of their lives. Josh Allen surprising those two boys with Bill's tickets is what I liked this week. Well, that'll bring us to the end of this week's edition of the Beyond the Game radio program. Remember that it's only on the air thanks to the generous support of our listeners, listeners like you. It's because of your prayers. It's because of your financial gifts that make this program possible, that keeps it on the air. Please pray about becoming a financial supporter of this radio ministry. And if you feel led to give a gift of any amount, please visit our website, btgprogram.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at this same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody.